Welcome to Gen Z Girlies, the podcast designed specifically for Gen Z women and non-binary folk. This is the place where you can grow your confidence and learn about how to build careers and lives that you'll love. Here you can join a community where we sit down with other Gen Zers who are leveraging their interests and talents to make waves. I'm Maddie Baldwin, your host, your biggest supporter, and your advocate that whatever you can dream, you can do. And this, this is Gen Z Girlies. Hey, Gen Z Girlies. Welcome to another episode of the Gen Z Girlies podcast. I am so incredibly excited for this episode and kind of what you're going to learn and just jump into it. I mean, as you know, that these conversations are just exciting for me as well, because when I record this, it's my first time getting to, you know, hear the episode and getting to dive into um, everything that our guests do and uh, kind of get that advice for myself as well. So on my end, it's really exciting. And I know that as uh, the audience, you know, you, you who are listening to this audience, um, it's going to be a great episode. But if you've listened to these episodes before, you know that kind of how I like to start my episodes. I like to let my guests, you know, give a little bit of their own introduction and kind of um, jump jump into the podcast that way. So um, this week's guest, I will let you go ahead and take it off and introduce yourself. But if you want to, yeah, in your introduction, if you want to maybe, you know, tell us your name and what is it you kind of do both in like, what's your title, but also in your own words, like, what is that? What does that kind of look like? And thank you also for being here today. We're really, I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Zara Nukvi. I am head of founder community at Republic. I'm also the founder of my own fundraising content and community platform called The Z-List. Um, just to kind of break down what I do at Republic, being head of founder community, we are all about democratizing access to the private market so everyone can invest across the board in startups. And so a lot of the work that I do really lies in supporting founders um, through the fundraising process. Process. The VC fundraising process can be really scary, really daunting. And so we really just like to be an unbiased company that can be here to support those founders through educational events, introducing them to VCs and more, more on kind of their um, and just being supportive. And then the Z-List is something I started a few years ago, um, right out of undergrad. After working with a lot of founders, I realized no matter how much they raised, whether it was pre-seed or series B, every single founder was really frustrated. Um, when it came to fundraising or constantly overwhelmed, no matter how much they raised. And so um, that really was something I wanted to tackle. And so right out of undergrad, I started just introducing the founders I knew to the VCs I knew that invested in their industries and decided to really just formalize that into a community. And it's kind of snowballed since then. I have 25,000 subscribers on the Z-List and 4,000 VCs and angel investors in the network who I introduced these founders to. Well, first of all, that's just an amazing accomplishment, list of accomplishments that you have right there, kind of just what you're doing in your own life. So I'm really excited to kind of hear more about that. I guess on, um, it sounds like there's, you kind of have like two or different things kind of going on. And I would love to maybe, maybe to start with kind of you being the head of, you know, founder community at like Republic. Like, what did it look like to kind of get that job and how, how did you find out about it? What, what did that kind of process look like for you? And um, yeah, that and then also maybe a little bit of being head of founder community, what does that mean in a little bit maybe more detail for someone who might not know 100%? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I actually interned at Republic while I was in undergrad and I entered throughout the basically majority of my senior year. And so the day that I graduated, which was during COVID, I essentially was full-time the next day. I joined Republic as part of the venture growth and partnerships team. And so a lot of the work that I did there was with these VC funds, with investors, educating them about our product, what Republic does. And then at the same time, I'm also just starting to meet founders because Republic is a company that is so involved in the um, startup ecosystem. And so when I was interning at Republic, I was products, consumer, just different types of industries. And so when it came to deciding that I wanted to be at Republic full time, I think a huge realization for me was I loved like the startup ecosystem, but there was just not one industry I loved a lot. It was more like the industry itself I found fascinating. And I had a very unique opportunity at Republic to be founder facing, Mm -hmm. to work with founders, but then to also still be VC and investor facing, which is such a unique combination because you're typically either only founder facing or you're only VC facing, really just depending on where you work. And so that was just like too unique of an opportunity for me to not want to go and do it full time. And so um, through Republic, after I graduated, I became an investment associate. Last year, I was promoted to senior investment associate. And then this January, I became head of founder community. Um, And yeah, head of founder community, I think is like such a specific title for a very specific industry. So it's not really common in like every other job but i think i would probably just compare it to being like in a growth Mm -hmm. position at a startup or at any company because the people that work in growth are like analyzing data customer acquisition they're thinking about like how do we expand our funnel to get more potential customers through the door and so what i do as head of founder community is kind of like a combination of growth with everything from like getting founders educated about republic figuring out like how can we actually get them to utilize our products and become a little bit more aware about what we do. But then on the other side of things, there's the qualitative, more relationship-driven processes mm-hmm. where we are just hosting these workshops um, free of charge for founders to learn more about fundraising with VCs, advice that they could get from founders who have successfully fundraised. So it's a really unique combination of both like a quantitative and a qualitative job. Um, And I've been doing it now for around like nine months. Um, And it was definitely something I was doing while I was an investment associate. I was hosting events and just thinking about how can we really be an unbiased, supportive partner to founders and then naturally kind of proved that it was definitely something of value that I could formalize and really take the lead with. And so that's kind of how I ended up stepping into the head of founder community role. Yeah. I mean, that that's just kind of an amazing story to hear a little bit too on what you managed to kind of like do to get from like where you started to like getting to like the position you're at now. And I mean, that sounds like honestly to me a little bit of a, a dream position as well, because you're getting to you know work both in the VC world, but also as founders and kind of be around all of that as well. Um, I guess like one thing to I would love to touch on as well, too, and I know that a lot of our audience is really interested in as well. So it sounds like kind of how you got your start into in this field and everything is you kind of started um, by getting that internship and then that internship, you know, turned into a full time role. And then, you know, you've gotten promotions and been able to kind of grow and build this role into something that you are really passionate about from there. And I guess like maybe walk us through a little bit of what did it look like to go through getting that internship in the first place and how did how did that go about? And then um, kind of when you also made the decision of, okay, like I want to stay, you know, like at Republic full time and lean into this, what maybe like what's your top tip on 
getting that that job offer, getting that full time job offer, like from that internship into leveraging that into a position. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really determined to get as much startup experience as I could throughout undergrad. I think a large part of it was like I had been a founder in the past and it was not like, let's say like a VC backable um, startup. And so I was really fascinated about Mm. VC fundraising, like what seed, pre-seed, series A, series B, like IPO, like what all of these companies that were growing so fast, getting funded hundreds of millions of dollars, like what did they look like in terms of how they were scaling, what they were doing. And so um, throughout just my senior year, I, or rather, I guess, kind of like before as well, all my other internships and the work that I had done with startups were either like Columbia founded startups or startups that were actively looking for roles. But with Republic, they weren't actively looking for interns. And so what I did was I ended up just like, this was during COVID. So I certainly had the time. I don't know if I would recommend this. It takes up a bunch of time, but during COVID the summer before my senior year, I um, basically went on LinkedIn, typed in founder, set the location to New York. And I looked at hundreds of LinkedIn pages of just like every founder that was based in New York, building in New York, and just pulled a short list of the founders who had like really interesting backgrounds that I hopefully wanted to emulate with my career or just building products that I was super excited about. And Republic happened to be one of those startups. And so then I did some more kind of like digging and I realized there um, were a few people who had gone to the school that I went to or the school that I was currently at for my undergrad, reached out to them. And then I cold emailed the CEO. I cold emailed the HR team. Um, and then I guess just like to be even more succinct, my top tip with the cold emailing is keep it very, very simple. I get a lot of cold emails that are like multiple paragraphs and it's really hard to actually figure out like what value is the person providing or like what is the purpose of this email. Mm. So my emails are always like introducing myself. Hi, I'm like about to be a senior at Columbia. And then I put just like bullet points that explain, hey, like this is what I've done in the past. I have worked at this many startups. This is the skills that I have. And it's maybe five bullet points. And I say, let me know if you have anything open. And then I end the email. So it's like really succinct, get to the point if they have a problem that they need solving and one of my bullet points fits the bubble, that's almost exactly the reason that I've been able to get the internship every Mm. single time. So I always say like do cold email, but make your cold emails really, really simple. And every time you write an email, just keep rereading it and saying like, what is excessive here? What can I delete from the email that will just make it shorter, clearer, and more precise? So that's kind of how I got the internship in the first place. And then when it came to converting um, to full-time, I just had a conversation with the um, manager that I had during my internship to kind of understand like what the company's priorities were. And I had been working, like I said, in a mostly like VC fake, like, I guess like facing role, but the kind of core of Republic is the work that we do with founders. And so I really wanted to work in the business function that was, let's say like the core part of the business model. Like if there's customers and there's product, I wanted to work with the customers and try and figure out how we can get them through the door. And so um, shifting to being on the investment team, that was really just a conversation of like internally showcasing what I had learned during my internship and the fact that I was already kind of onboarded and up to speed. And so I could really hop into the role quickly and just start providing value in like more of that quantitative direct way. So that's kind of like how I had the conversation of um, actually becoming full-time after having been an intern. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, those are, I think, great tips. And I, I love what you're kind of saying about 
the cold emailing, keep it succinct. And I think that that is such a great tip too, because that can actually be so difficult. You know, like sometimes when you think short, you think, oh, this is going to be easier, but it's actually harder to how, you know, how do we break this down? Make sure that we're just leaning into, you know, here are the things that I can provide value in. Are they going to kind of fix a problem that you're having? And can I jump in like into this position in this role in this way? So I think, I mean, just hearing a little bit about that, that I think even to me, that that's really helpful and a good reminder to me as well. Like, okay, like, you know, keep my emails a little bit shorter. Like, how can I like look over this and be like, what, what is really coming like out of what, like what value am I providing here as well? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's just kind of great to hear too, a little bit about, you know, your position and what, like what it looks like to be, um, you know, this head of like founder community as well. And I would love to know a little bit like in, in your role that you've managed to kind of be in now and, you know, go, you know, go from intern to your positions to getting the promotion to, um, yeah, head of founder community, I guess, what is your day to day kind of look like? Like, what does it look like to kind of walk that line between, the founder world and then also the the VC investment uh, world as well. Yeah, I would say that my world really does like heavily lean into the work that I do with founders. So I would say like 75% of my day is supporting founders, hearing about what fundraising problems they have, what type of content they want to see, who they want to hear from. And then also just like keeping in touch with founders who um, have been part of the community for a long time or maybe going through the Republic um, platform and fundraising that way. And so day to day is just like, I'd say my day is split up between like 60%, just like phone calls with people, understanding what they need and the support that they need. And then the other 40% is just like deep work, thinking about like the content that we want to provide, whether it's like recording a podcast for Republic or if it's an event that we want to host for our founders. But then it's also reviewing data from the past few events or just like channels that we've developed to actually educate and acquire customers. So then I am looking at like, okay, which events brought in the most founders and then which found right. which events led to the most founders actually like having a conversation with our sales team. So that like precision of also looking at like data and kind of understanding, okay, this event might seem really cool, but it didn't really land in terms of the numbers and what we want to see. That's also, I guess, like kind of where the data quantitative stuff comes in, because then you do also have to be um, pretty practical about which events are actually kind of creating value. And so even though I do spend a lot of my day talking and catching up with people and building relationships, there is a part of it where also just seeing like how I can attribute the events that we do in person, which are all about community building, actually lead to value for the company. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, that's cool just to kind of hear about like what that looks like a little bit day to day. And I guess I would, I would wonder as well. So like, I know we chatted a little bit slightly and I'd love to lean into maybe a little bit more about the Z list and kind of like what that looks like. And um, maybe you can share, like, is there any crossover with what you do with the Z list and kind of how that leans into the position you have now? And then kind of just like what, yeah, I would love to know just like a little bit more about the Z list as well on that end and what that kind of looks like. Yeah, so um, I'm really fortunate because um, the CEO and the founder of Republic um, has always been just like a huge advocate of my career and my professional development. And so the Z-List really came about organically because I was talking to a lot of founders and just like with any like VC role, Republic is similar. Like I might talk, I might have talked to 30 founders, but we would only maybe move forward with five of them. And then there were 25 folks that I had a 30 minute conversation with that really just wouldn't go anywhere. And for the most part, like 
people just kind of leave it at that. It didn't go anywhere. And then that's the end of the end of the story, I guess. But with me, I just really wanted to figure out a way that I could actually continue to help these founders, particularly the ones that I had been just developing relationships with these VCs. And so when I stepped into my full-time role at Republic, which was like having conversations with 40, 50 founders a week, I started to just like curate the list of people um, and be helpful to them in sending the just deals that I saw to the investors who were part of the community that I'd built. And so part of it is, I think, really rooted in the fact that like I chose to do this career where I am able to meet a lot of founders and a lot of VCs. But what kind of ended up snowballing is like the Z-List just became kind of its own thing. I started to get deal flow from um, just like cold inbound people emailing me, people DMing me on Twitter and emailing me directly on like my Z-List email and a lot of founders just wanting to get featured. And so it's kind of spun out to become its own thing where the Z-List is just like really a culmination, I think, of the brand and everything that I've built over the past few years. And so I think that's really indicative of why I've been able to be successful in this role, but then also just successful in kind of like establishing what I want to do with the rest of my career because VC is something that it's such a like deeply rooted industry and so when it comes to what I think like my future relationships will look like I'm sure a lot of them are going to be the VC relationships and the people I met when I was just starting in my internship so the ZLS has just been I'd say like the culmination and formalization of everything that I'd done um, through my career and also just through myself and now I'm partnering with a lot of um, people to host like ZList events as well across New York City and it's been really great just to establish kind of like my personal brand and really have it be my its own entity that is cool to hear you know like kind of what what you're doing and you know establishing you know like your own brand as well like like how that connects kind of what to what you're doing in your professional life too but how there's like that crossover but how what what you built is just like you know kind of started to snowball and these people are reaching out and I think that is such like a great um thought as well that I like to you know like touch on you know on these episodes as well is that like there comes a point where you kind of have to figure out, you know, like what you're passionate about and you have to start something, you know, and like, and if you put enough time into it and you have enough passion that at some point it's going to get to this point, you know, where, where it might be kind of small and you're just kind of pushing it and you're like, Oh, is this ever, you know, ever going to get somewhere. But then it gets to that point where you're like something clicks and all of a sudden it kind of becomes this, this huge uh, thing as well. So I think, I think that's a great point to kind of hear for our, our audience as well. And I think something that would be really interesting to hear and a question that I'm always very interested, you know, from our guests and to see their kind of perspective. And I think will be especially interesting just kind of with your background and um, the area you're working in now, just especially with founders in VC and what that looks like. But what do you think that the future of like career looks like for Gen Z? Um, and where, like, where do you kind of see that going? Yeah, um, I think it's such an important question because like even just taking it really far back to when I was an undergrad, I had started the Z-List completely like separate, like not related to VC and startups at all, largely in just like curating events on campus because I was like an upperclassman. I had attended like every event that recommended like 
how to set up your resume or how to like optimize LinkedIn. And I went to all these events that happened on campus, but there were just so many and it could get really overwhelming. And so I had a lot of underclassmen come to me and say, hey, like Zara, I really don't know what events to go to. Do you have recommendations? And so the Z list really started at Columbia as like a tiny, tiny email list that was just like me curating and recommending stuff for people. And the Z list now, at least the newsletter that has 25,000 subscribers, I'm like curating events in New York City that I'm hosting and also featuring events that I know are going to be really great and high value because I've either like worked with the host before or if I tend, I've attended a bunch of their events. So the reason I bring this up in relation to just what careers look like for Gen Z is because I think like, let's say maybe like 10, 15 years ago, I don't think we were in a time in the world where the Z-List like started in my undergrad and then now has morphed into this like incredible huge community in New York. I think I would have had to abandon it at some point and just like not have gone forward with it. And so I do think that the future of careers are just going to force companies to be more malleable in terms of everything that their employees are doing, whether it's like Mm. quote unquote on the side or if it is like personal brand development, speaking at more conferences, having more of a voice and being authoritative like online, I think that is a really huge part of what the future of careers look like, particularly with Gen Z, because before it maybe it maybe was just like the head of the company that would do all of those things, like have a personal brand, have um, conferences to go to to speak at. But I actually think now we're seeing like the operators or the employees at a lot of companies have their own brands, have their own advice, want to like go and speak at these conferences, have people who value their opinions. And so I feel like the future of careers is going to be rooted in that malleability and the fact that a career isn't like one thing with one company. People do move move around. They are, I guess... They kind of, they evolve more and less in the sense of like, okay, you're just climbing up the ranks of like what is expected of you. But now it's more like I see a career as a flourishing of a bunch of different things that you're good at, whether it is personal brand, whether it is conferences, whether it's TikTok, whether it's like setting up an Etsy shop that's like completely unrelated to your full-time job. I just think careers are so much more, um, yeah, they're just more evolutionary now. They branch off in a lot of different directions. And I'm really excited to (laughs) kind of be working in a timeline like this because it would have been so disheartening to have been an undergrad like 10 years ago and have seen the potential with the Z list, but just not been able to go forward with it. So this is me potentially being optimistic. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of like pushback against this, but I do feel like it's really important. Um, And I, I do firmly believe that this is going to be what the future of careers just look like in general, particularly for Gen Z and probably us leading the charge. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a really great take. And I mean, I, I, I really agree too on my end as well. From like Even just like what I've seen is it, I mean, just the rise we've seen too and, you know, like personal branding and like what it mm-hmm. looks like to be active on social media and even, you know, like building out your LinkedIn page, like you need to mm-hmm. have what you're talking about or like what that looks like. And um, those posts are like even the idea of like having like a TikTok presence and how like, you know, like even like thinking just off the top of my head, like, you know, like corporate Natalie and how, she has a huge, you know, brand on that side, mm-hmm. but there, I, I remember, I think when she was starting, there was a little bit of like, how is she going to, ha- you know, have this brand, but also have a job, you know, it's just like very interesting and what that kind of looks like on what it's going to look like having personal brands for people and moving forward and how that looks and being a little bit more mm-hmm. present online as well. Like not having necessarily our online life 
just be private and having that be a part of your life as well, which I think is very, I think you're right. It's a very interesting kind of era that we're leaning into. And I think a really exciting one and one that opens up, you know, so many more opportunities too, for people to not just stay in, you know, roles that they're not super happy with, but to find their own, you know, kind of fulfillment and their own like passions Mm -hmm. and to lean into that as well and what that can look like. So I think, yeah, I think you're, I think you're totally right seeing where that's going and that just being a really really interesting kind of new change in career so yeah I'm or career world you know so I'm excited to mm-hmm. see where that goes definitely and I guess so like kind of touching on what you were saying you know with personal having more of a personal brand and kind of like what that looks like and you know everything you're doing with the Z list of you know like I know that takes an enormous amount of time as well to you know curate those events to make your own events host those events you know kind of find the people to put it, you know, I know like all that can, you know, take a lot to manage that community on mm-hmm. top of, you know, the fact that you also have this position of head of, you know, founder community and, you know, all this, all, all the kind of things that you're doing right now. Um, I guess like what would be your tips or what is kind of the way you approach, like what it looks like to kind of, you know, balance having your life with your career. Is there some crossover? Do you keep them separate? I know we were kind of just talking about like, personal branding and that kind of mashes and mixes, but yeah. What, what, how would you say that you navigate what that looks like? Yeah. It's such an important question because I think if you don't have boundaries, it's really hard to even just be productive, whether it is like your own personal brand development or the career and the company that you work at. So for me, I'm really strict about the fact that my weekends are for me, they're not for like meeting people from work, meeting anyone related to work. And this might be like a very VC industry and startup industry specific thing, but a lot of like personal and professional lives mix um, and people just like hang out all the time, which I think is great but I'm like if I don't get my weekends then I'm not functional and so I am very strict about keeping my weekends to me my friends my family and just taking time and that's not to say that I don't work it's that I do have the time to actually like sit think and create and actually like write stuff for my newsletter even just like email people regarding events, just like even having the time to just be quiet and not see anyone related to work so that I can think and be creative because a huge part of the Z list is about like my creativity. I like even the Z list name, a lot of people have been like inspired by it. And then I started a community for um, VCs in New York called No GPs Allowed. And a lot of people are also inspired by that and doing like their own spinoffs. And so that like creativity of even just coming up with like a witty event name, like No um, GPs Allowed, which stands for general partners. They're like in charge of VC funds. So having like a funny name like that for a community, like surprisingly, like it it took me some time to get to that point. And I think I credit that to my weekend. So I'm like a huge person about like taking it slow on the weekend, giving myself time to think, giving myself time to be creative, seeing my friends, my family. Um, But then honestly, like during the work week, I would say that like there it's really just like from the moment I wake up, I'm answering emails. And then when I sleep, I'm answering a few emails before I sleep as well. So that might be kind of where I think I can make up for the fact that I am so strict about my weekends and protecting that time. But all of this to say that I really do think you need to come up with some separation, whether you um, are maybe like seeing someone on the weekend and maybe someone related from work and you're doing something on the weekend related to work. I think that's fine. But then you should have like two days on the week when you are like literally just going home after 5 p.m. and not doing any other work. So I just think having like those boundaries is super helpful in being productive and just 
keeping yourself accountable to protecting yourself and protecting your time. Because if you're not like operating at 100%, then you're not helpful to anyone, including yourself, and especially those in your personal life. So I just like to have like rules like that, just to keep myself super like in check, I guess. That is totally true. And I like what you said about like keeping your weekends. And yeah, I, I think and I like how you kind of were touching on too, is that and I think it's important too, is that, you know, having you know that time off and that time to recharge doesn't mean that you know you're not working during the week and you said you like you're kind of I mean you're still hustling during the week you're you know doing emails you know from the time you're up to afterwards and you're, you're getting that work in and you're you know you're pushing forward and you have that drive you know then that resilience to push forward but like you know taking you know those those two days off on the weekend that's not you you know not having you know that drive that hustle kind of like moving things forward that's like that's you being like hey if I'm gonna show up with 110 percent I, I can't do that 24 seven. No one can do that 24 seven, you know, but it's like finding the time of like, how do I create that space for me to recharge so that I can show up? And I think that mm -hmm. is such an important distinction kind of of like what that looks like as well. And yeah. um, I think too, just, um, yeah, like one thing I've kind of seen in the news too, and I think kind, kind of touches as, uh, on this as well is like, sometimes there's this, um, this thought process kind of, of like, I think it was like, you know, like the lazy girl career, or like what that looks like, or working from home, mm -hmm. or you're just answering emails, but like, of, okay, like, actually a lot, that doesn't mean that you're not doing your work, or like that you're taking your time off means you're lazy, it means that like, you're actually putting in your work in a lot of different ways. And that can look a lot of different ways for a lot of people. But that doesn't mean that the work you're doing is you not showing up, you know, or like you taking a break is does not equal you being lazy. And I think that's, that's a really important, you know, distinction to make as well. And I mean, kind of touching, you know, off of that same concept, slightly different, but, you know, off of like taking the break and what it looks like to show up, you know, having that a hundred percent, that 110%, that kind of that hustle um, of what that looks like, I guess, what does kind of success look like for you as well? Maybe like what that looks like within your role of head as, you know, founder community or what that looks like within, the Z list and how, how do you kind of define that and navigate the, the idea of success, especially in a world that is so hustle 110 results, you know, numbers kind of world as well. Yeah. So, I mean, with like Republic, I do give myself like numbers and metrics that I want to hit. Even the stuff that seems like very qualitative, like hosting a fundraising workshop, I give myself numbers like, okay, I want this many founders to attend. I want this many of the founders to have never had a conversation with Republic before because then we can educate them and then get mm -hmm. them kind of like squared away in terms of understanding who we are, what we can do for them, the fundraising, the products that we offer, and just really educating them. And so in that case, like everything does come down to numbers, because even let's say, from the perspective of determining what events were successful in like the past month, I am going to look to the numbers that I set myself for certain events to really like figure out, okay, maybe like 400 people RSVP'd for this. But if I check only like, 100 were brand new and 300 were from the community. And while that's great, that might make me think, okay, maybe there's a way that I need to like actually separate how we acquire just like entirely new people while still servicing the community. So in that regard, 
there's a lot of like KPIs, there's numbers that I can set up to really hold myself accountable. I think when it comes to um, the Z list and just success, like in the other parts of my career with the Z list, particularly since I am just like really wanting to help the founders in my community and just like the founders who I've angel invested in success for me looks like helping, helping a founder with what they need help with, which sounds like very, I think kind of like a very simple statement, but with the Z list, like having just done it for the past few years so far, I've helped founders secure a $5 million in just like fundraising. And that has come from introducing them to angel investors or introducing them to VCs and just being really productive about it. So I can also kind of like put a number there. But I think the Z-list for me is really just like about the community helping as many people as I can. And so I try not to put like numbers on myself in a way to maybe like measure how I'm doing over time. But really just remind myself of what my priorities are. My priorities are to make the fundraising process easier for founders. If I get more specific, to make the fundraising process easier for women of color founders. Um, less than like 2% of fundraising, I think last year or the year before, went to um, women-founded companies. And if you think about how like small that number must be for women of color companies, like it is really just disheartening to think about. And then another statistic that came out that I'm really trying to tackle is there are a lot of like incredible grants and VC funds that do um, fundraising for diverse um, groups, whether it's just women, people of color, or queer communities as well. And this statistic basically found out that 80% of that financing for people of color, queer communities, and women, um, 80% of it went to white female founders, which means like less than 20% went to queer founders and people of color. So, and this mm. is just like people of color, women of color. So again, there's just like a lot of disparity in this ecosystem. And the Z-list, I will say, is less like my full-time job where I, I do have these numbers and I'm trying to really like amount like uh, get them to amount to something with the z-list i just think about what my priorities are what's lacking in the ecosystem and hopefully can just like start to make those better overall so i don't really ascribe i don't really like have a number to de like describe what success looks like for me i think it's more just rooted in knowing that that's the problem and just figuring out ways to better the ecosystem and hopefully i have no idea how people get those numbers or get those percentages i'm sure it's a lot of detail and a lot of research done but if i can even do just small things that'll help to improve that that's what success looks like for me um with the z list absolutely no and i i love that and i i totally agree those numbers you know they need they need to change and so i think that that's great kind of what you're saying of like you know like even though you have like those numbers kind of uh you're, you're like your your full-time job like you know with like the z list you can lean a little bit more into like okay i'm here i'm not you know bound and held by like necessarily what do all my numbers look like but it's like what what needs to change and like what am mm -hmm. i going to lean into that's a little bit more abstract and what does that look like and so i think i think that's a great way to look at it kind of you know you know hitting those numbers where you need to hit those numbers but also like what what change and what impact are we kind of bringing with our actions that maybe is a little bit more intangible and what that looks mm -hmm. like so i think that's i mean that's just i mean yeah even in my head that's a great way kind of to view success and also gives you a little bit of like of that leeway of like not you know like you have the numbers that you reach but not everything you're doing is always numbers because mm -hmm. you know i feel like if you lean too much more into like numbers it starts to get, you know, stressful or like awful, yeah. like when you're not hitting them and like you start, you know, like really kind of amount your worth to do I have my numbers, but then also yeah. feeling too much into the intangible and what that looks like, you can't, you don't, you don't see the results, you know, and you mm -hmm. don't really know, like, am I actually making impact? You're like, okay, I think I might be, but you know, am I? And so having, you know, both of those kind of sets, both of those sides, I think is 
is really important. And I mean, just kind of mm-hmm. touching off of that too. I think I saw something the other day that I loved a little bit as well. I mean, and it's a very similar idea, but it's like when, you know, like even in my own position, I was looking at like, you know, like same, similar, very similar, what, like, mm-hmm. what goals do I want to have this quarter? Like what are my goals are? And kind of also like what I try to do is, you know, I try to have like, you know, you know, whatever, like two thirds of my goals, you know, maybe be numbers, but then like, mm-hmm. make sure I have like one third of those goals be intangible goals. Like once that this isn't mm-hmm. necessarily about hitting numbers, but it's like, what kind of impact, like, am I helping people feel more seen and I like, helping people feel more heard? You know, I think that that's very important too. So I definitely mm-hmm. think that's a really important and cool way, you know, like to look at success and what that looks like for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I guess to kind of, you know, also as we're starting to wrap up a little bit and it's been really, really cool hearing just a little bit about your journey. And I think also, I honestly, I already can't wait for our audience to hear this because I think we've kind of, you know, touched on like internships and what that looks like into like full-time positions and how that works day to day. And I feel like we've gotten a really great kind of span of what that looks like. But one thing I love to ask every single one of my guests, and it's honestly, it's probably the least important question, but one of my favorite questions that I like ask too is just, you know, I think it's a little bit more personal, but I love to ask everyone, is there something new in your life that you've kind of been interested in lately? Like whether that's like maybe a new book series you're reading, is there like a new album? Have you been really into like plants, succulents, you know, like what is something new that you've been loving that our audience might love to know about as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I love this question because I, I'm my answer relates to books. And the reason I bring books up is because I was very focused on reading all the like nonfiction books, all the business books um, mm. right after I finished college. And I went to um, Columbia and at Columbia, we study like a lot of literature, of course. And so transitioning from like having read a lot of literature in undergrad and then just like only nonfiction and even just like nonfiction and topics I was interested in, like in art history and history in general, it's great. But I always try to recommend to people, even my friends who don't really like reading books, just just like read a fiction book. So I um, started reading The Secret History by Donna Tartt, which like people rave about and it's so good. And it's like, this is maybe me being so specific about her style of writing, but her style of writing for me at least is like, if I'm so tired at the end of the day and I really need to sleep, I will still read like five pages and feel like I just learned like two new words and my brain just like is processing this creative story. And so this is like very specific, but I guess like the new thing that I'm interested in is like this quote unquote, like dark academia, like book kind of books. And then also, I guess like autumnal, just the themes in like all of these like literature um just like in these novels because I was always like a pride and prejudice girl and I've never read like Wuthering Heights and everything that I think falls in like the darker kind of fiction books in general so this is a very specific answer but I think the TLDR is I tell people to read fiction um don't just only read nonfiction, and then um I guess like the secret history and like this dark academia like trend I don't want to call it a trend because the secret history was written like literally in the 90s but um I guess like leaning into that side of fiction and just kind of like checking out more books that I maybe in the past didn't think that I would like but now I actually find really fascinating no I love that yeah I've actually been really getting re-getting into books too a lot lately so that's so exciting my friend's actually reading the secret history right now and so it's on my tbr and so I'm like hoping to read the next the next couple weeks, hopefully. So I love, I mean, it's always great to be like, oh, okay, like someone like that. Like, that's good. Like I'll lean into that, but that's awesome. Yeah. So I think, I mean, even, you know, I've been like loving like book talk and all of the mm-hmm. things on there. I feel like I've been on that a lot lately. So I definitely am kind of getting, you know, like the, the, 
the hype for books I feel like is kind of coming back which has been making me mm-hmm. um excited as well because I, I write as well and so it's it's fun to get to write you know but also like read and see that there's a little bit more um surge of popularity maybe happening for these but yeah I'll definitely um maybe move the secret history up a few on my mm-hmm. uh, TBR then see if I can get that read a little bit quicker but that's awesome um well yeah but thank you so much for sharing that with our audience I think I mean it's just fun you know hearing a little bit more of what are your personal interests as well as like, um, what do you kind of do professionally and lean into passion wise there? But thank you so much just for joining us on this episode today. I think honestly, I think I said it already, but I'm really excited for our, our audience just to kind of hear this episode. I think it was chock full of really helpful tips. And I think you've had such a cool kind of career journey and life journey so far, even um, just even to where you're at now, which is so exciting to me to, you know, to get to hear about these amazing stories and, it's really people that I'm like, you know, a fourth of the way into their life. So, I mean, it's going to be so cool just to like see, you know, what you do in the next like little bit of your life too. Cause I'm sure that if you've gotten this far, I mean, it's just going to be, you know, amazing kind of seeing what you're doing in the next couple of years as well. But thank you so much for being on the episode, I guess, just to end as well um, for our audience. Is there any way that our audience can get connected to with you? Any social handles, emails? What's the best place for them to kind of find out? What's the the Z list? Yeah, where would where would all that information be? Yeah, so two things. Um, first, Twitter. Twitter is huge in the VC ecosystem, so you can find me at Zara Nukvi. That's just my full name with an underscore right after it. And then you can also email me at Zara at z-list.co um my name will be in the podcast title so you can see how to spell it there but yeah those are the two best ways to reach out to me awesome well perfect and thanks for sharing that and i also do share at the end of every um episode if uh you are listening to this episode and you want to get connected in with the gen z girlies podcast you know we are on linkedin you know all the social um platforms at gen z girlies podcast are very very similar to that um we would love to hear from you. Feel free to email us at gymzygirlyspodcast at gmail.com. We're always, you know, looking for um, new guests or guest ideas, or if you just have a comment on a way that we, you want to get involved with us, we would love, love, love to hear from you. So please don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. But again, thank you so much for being on the episode today. And I am so excited for our audience to hear this. But um Yeah, it was great to hear about your journey, and I know that our audience is going to love this. So this is uh, the Gen Z Girlies podcast signing off for another episode.